It's the season of love and I'm pretty sure you love a packet or three of Crunch Granola. It's rich in fiber, free of gluten and is vegan too. DM Shree, that's S-H-R-E-E, to the number in the description to get your granola fix delivered anywhere across India. Crunch, say hola to granola. Guys, just wanted to check if your visas are ready because we're flying to NYC, baby. We spoke about some really iconic movies and series in this episode. So make sure you stick around to the end of the episode because I'm sure there's a lot to learn and discover. I'll see you in the show. On Mr. Asim Chhabra's Twitter bio or Twitter page, you see his banner proudly proclaim, Film Lives Here. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Asim Chhabra is the festival director of the New York Indian Film Festival. He is a film journalist and he's written some seminal works on Shashi Kapoor, Priyanka Chopra, Irfan Khan and is... In general, a lover of films and cinema. Uh, Asim, so it's a pleasure to have you on That's What She Said, the episode on In New York, based in New York, rather. We're not in New York. Uh, mm. Hopefully someday, where we'll catch up yes. there itself. But uh, yes. how, how are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, really excited to talk about some of my favorite films. Uh, uh, you know, as we talk, maybe I'll think of some others, but I just, I, I sort of, I've made a mental list of some of the films that, one can touch upon for Valentine's Day, but then there are, you know, there are some very happy romantic films, there are some very, you know, rom-coms, comedies. Um, there are also some very dark films made in, uh, in New York. Absolutely. Uh, so we can talk about that. There's some television shows we can talk about. Uh, Absolutely. You know, many of the television shows uh, are either set in New York or LA or, you know, they're set other places. Usually they're shot indoors, really. I mean, Seinfeld. In stage, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite shows actually was shot mostly in LA. Right. Uh, except for they would have some indoor shots in, in New York, but it, it has a very New York ethos to it. It does. It does. The yeah. show about nothing, of course. But yeah. yes, <laughs> it does. And, uh, of course, guys, all those listening and watching, you know the format of the show. We'll be talking about uh, the city, of, which is, of course, New York. In this case, we'll be talking from the lens of cinema uh, or the series as well in this case. And we also have Sahaj joining us, who's the producer of the show. What's up, Sahaj? How are you doing? Hi, man. I'm good. I hope everyone listening to this has a great Valentine's Day. I hope everyone has a lot of fun. All the best, everyone. Yes. <laughs> so that's almost like a very smug way of uh, wishing people Valentine's Day. Ki, huh? I wish I'll have a good one. It's going to be. A thing. It's like uh, it's uh, like probably it will be uh, a pretty happy much Diwali. Our... happy Diwali, happy Valentine's. Day. <laughs> I think this is this will be our first ever socially distant uh, Valentine's Day is what we figured because last time though people on 14th February didn't know what was to come for the next year, but uh, this year of course things are very different. But uh, of course, filmo ka silsila jari rahega. And uh, there have been some great uh, film festivals as well that have been shifted virtually. And uh, Asim, like, you know, I was just listening to another uh, podcast by No Film School, which is, of course, you know, they've really risen to the ranks in terms of covering the indie scene and all of that. And they were speaking about how Sundance, uh, how it, you know, it went virtual this year. And yeah. they've actually done, I mean, they've people have loved it. People loved chatting in the lobbies. People loved the ability to watch so many films, much more than actually being at Sundance. So, so what do you, what do you think is the is the future in that? I just briefly want to you know touch upon this topic about virtual film well, festivals. I, you know, I'm kicking myself for not having registered uh, for a press accreditation for Sundance in time, so I was not able to attend Sundance. But just early this week, the Rotterdam Film Festival, the International Film Festival of Rotterdam, that I registered for. Um, 
and yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in Noida in UP, and right. I watched, I watched uh, virtual films. In fact, this morning I did, uh, uh, before lunch I saw two films, and uh, it sort of ended. But they have they have films made available uh, up for 72 hours each film. So uh, right. uh, up to tomorrow, there's some films. Um, you know, initially it was like, what are we going to do about this? Because the whole there was a sense of excitement when you go to festivals. I I've been going for many years since 2009 to. Berlin and uh, Toronto also 2008-2009. Um, in New York, there were many festivals. I organized a festival in New York myself, the New York Indian Film Festival. But, you know, Cannes was cancelled. Uh, South by Southwest was cancelled last year. Cannes right. just made an announcement, a list of films which they had selected, which were blessed by Cannes, but they didn't show them. Yes. Um, uh, we actually were one of the first festivals, the New York Indian Film Festival, to do a virtual festival in July. Right. And... Uh, while, uh, you know, there were other challenges and I missed being in the theater and meeting the audience every day and watching their reaction because, you know, you spend a lot of time picking films that you want to share with the audience, especially absolutely you know, when I'm organizing a festival. Um, I missed that. But then I, I realized the, the, one of the advantages of uh, doing a virtual festival uh, when we did the New York Indian Festival was that we used to only hold screenings in Manhattan. Right. In New York City. And maybe people from neighboring areas might be able to come in the evenings. But now we had films A available for 10 days, morning, night, 24-7. And people across the U.S. could watch them. And right. also quite a few of the films are going in, uh, to North America, Canada and globally even in India. So right. suddenly uh, we were able to access a much wider audience. Sure. Um, which was what the good thing was when, when, when the Toronto Film Festival happened. Mm-hmm. I was actually in New York at that time. Uh, September, October, I had to go to New York for some work. So I was watching the films in New, uh, in New York. But some of my friends who I used to go out, uh, go with them to Toronto, we would all meet up there and, you know, hang out and, you know, watch films, come out, argue, discuss, have coffee, uh, your favorite restaurants are nearby. Yeah. Then you rush to write articles. Then you rush to go. To see. So they were sitting in India, many of them, and they were watching the same films I was watching uh, sitting in New York. Yeah. Um, and which is what has happened now again and again. Then I attended the New York Film Festival, which is, you know, I used to go to press screenings. Those press screenings were also virtual, even though I was in New York. Although New York Film Festival did something really great. They did some uh, drive-in screenings. Ah, right. And I had never been to a drive-in theater, but I went twice to, I saw two films with um, some friends of mine in the car. Uh, Abhi recently, uh, you know, the uh, so the Indian Film Festival, uh, International Film Festival in Goa, Mm-hmm. That was actually held physically. Yes. Uh, but the, the they have a film bazaar that's held parallel every year, end of November. It's in, right, at, right. at the Marriott in, in, in Panjim. That was held in January. That was also virtual. Uh, one could watch the films. So, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, some festivals are taking the risk and doing it. And hopefully it'll be fine next week. Uh, actually, on Tuesday, I'm flying to Kerala. Because the Kerala Film Festival, International Film Festival of Kerala, used to be held in Trivandrum. Right. And... In December, and that was—it's one of the most popular big festivals in India. Uh, and it would people would come in throngs to Trivandrum. So what they did was they decided they wanted to do a physical festival. What they've decided is they've actually got to move it. They've, they've shifted to four cities: mm-hmm. first a week of in Trivandrum, then a week in Cochin, then a week in two wow. other cities. So that so the pressure on Trivandrum will be less, and they're also observing fifty percent occupancy. Every other seat is going to be yeah. empty. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, Early February, uh, early March, Berlin is holding its festival. So everything has gone one one month. But Berlin used to be it's, uh, February, February, it's in March. 
that's mm-hmm. well in the press screenings the industry screenings are all virtual also so understood understood no that's that's really great uh, you know that you mentioned that and how you know each city again they are kind of seeing it depending on their it's i mean their kind of precautions some people are again doing the hybrid version some people are doing online offline yes, uh, yes. and and of course new york as a city itself you know coming back to the city uh, coming back to nyc really uh, it has such a huge diaspora right like from all across the world it's i mean so many communities of course uh, within the five boroughs they say there are like the seven planets live within the five boroughs uh like you know that's of course a you know popular saying that the entire world is essentially lives uh in new york and uh, it's it's really interesting what is the representation that you know we've seen and of course bollywood has its own lens but uh, we'll be talking mostly about uh, and i see with your list itself will mostly be you know the classic space out of new york and you know the the ones that are basically essential viewing uh, and that's what uh, this podcast is essentially going to list down is that some films that you got to watch uh based on new york at at some point of your life so uh, asim what's on your list for the very first film like let's dive right into it so i i actually the first three films that i have in the list all three were written by nora efron who right. uh, sadly died a couple of years ago um yes. the first one is when harry met sally which rob reiner directed right. uh, he co-wrote with nora efron and then she wrote two other films and sort of you know meg ryan became like uh um almost a muse for her so meg meg ryan was yeah. in all three um uh, all three when harry yep. met tally uh, you got mail and uh, actually before you got mail there was uh, sleepless in seattle yeah, yeah. um yeah um when harry met sally is, is is a really quirky funny um romantic yes but it's really interesting because it's a story about uh, this this guy and a girl they actually drive in a car from chicago to new york um and they're both dating different people right uh, and so you know and, and and you have billy crystal who has a very sort of this dry humor this very quirky humor and meg ryan is sort of all cutesy and she'll get very angry etc um they argue they make friends they sit and eat they you know and 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 and, and this issue keeps coming up again and again can a man and woman be friends be without friends, yeah. having without that sex romantic yeah yeah right so that's what the whole film is about but uh it, from chicago and then it's it, it it takes place over a period i think 12 years because um and over a period of 12 years they meet again and again and they break up they have relationships and they have sex and they break up again and then they end up having relationships with other people um and uh, you know uh, a lot of it takes place in new york city it got some yeah. very iconic uh, moments in in new york city and uh you know the the romance is presented with a city in the backdrop in a lot of scenes that you feel like the city is the second there's a great scene they go for a walk in central park and it's um, you know the fall season the autumn season in, in right. north america it's just spectacular when the leaves start to change colors and they all right. become brown before they the drop the color yeah yeah um, yeah now new york actually doesn't have that much of it people actually go to vermont and you know up in north in ah, canada okay. the colder the climate uh, the, the more north but new york also central park for instance is full of trees right and there's a gorgeous scene in when harry met sally with all the trees are sort of the leaves are brown and it gives such a lovely uh, and they're walking through the park um yeah it's a lovely film it's it, there's some really funny moments in it really i'll have um, what she's having <laughs> i'll have what she's having and it's set in um uh the couple of things really funny actually um so you know that that woman who says i'll have what she's having uh-huh. that's rob reiner's mother he cast oh <laughs> wow that's quite convenient yeah. okay 
<laughs> so uh, that's one fu- funny part of it. That's a very, very famous Jewish deli called Katz's Deli. Right, um, right. In, 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 just on 2nd Avenue and, and uh, on, um, on, on, on um, Houston Street. And in fact, apparently, and I haven't gone and checked it out, but I've read that the, 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 ta- the table where they're sitting, mm-hmm. there's, now there's a, it's been carved there or there's a little plaque that they post on side that this is the table <laughs> where they shot the film. They were sitting. Uh, um, wow. So... Yeah, when Harry Met Sally is 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 really fun, um, and you know there's a constant bickering between the two. I mean, the two actors, I'm sure they rehearsed a lot, uh, but that that thing that they call as chemistry, uh, it happens when two actors really sort of connect. Uh, yep. And even whether they're being romantic or whether they're being uh, uh, antagonistic and arguing, and you know they do it very well, both Billy Crystal and uh, Meg Ryan. And you know, all the while while they fight and they break up and they they, they move, so there's a heartache because you know you feel like they could get along fine. You know, they could yeah. get along well. You yeah. Know, why can't they be in a relationship or marry? And you know, um, it's lovely films. Right. Uh, you know, based on that, like based on what you said about uh, when Harry met Sally, I was constantly I was thinking about before sunrise, right? Like the entire before trilogy. What do you think is the kind of the connection, let's say, between, of course, because there we also have, you know, these two people and of course, a slightly different storyline. But again, the bickering and the arguing and the flirting and all of that. But do you think that uh, when Harry, of course, it was released much before the trilogy. Uh, but do you think that it serves as a sort of like a antithesis to uh, Before Sunrise or the Before Trilogy, that movie itself, because it's slightly more different, it's slightly deviant from that route. Uh, do you think that it's it's very American to its core, or or do you think otherwise? Like, what do you, what do you think in comparison, let's say, to the Before Trilogy? No, I, th- I think it's an interesting uh, connection to draw, really. It didn't occur to me until you you mentioning it. Um, yeah, I mean, what makes the Before Trilogy also stand apart from the fact that they are just so they were so lovely and, and romantic. And also before, what the Before Trilogy does is, um, and I, I'm hoping one day they'll make a fourth film also. Yes. It's over, over such a big span of time. Um, they're very young. And the films are also short. Over short, period exactly. Time, you know? yep. So there was a gap of like five, ten years or something like that. So they were very young. Uh, the middle one, which is Before Sunset. Uh, no, Before... Uh, yeah, Before, before sunset. sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Third is before midnight, um, and by the time they do before midnight, they're already married. Uh, before sunset, they you know uh, they've been they randomly just meet. What I find very interesting in those films is that there's a lot of you know what happens in life when you when you meet somebody, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be romantic only. You meet you, you you become friends with somebody, and then just you know and it has to be it can be two men or a man and a woman or two women or something like that, and then you don't see each other for a very long time, mm-hmm. and then when you meet again. After like five or ten years, yeah. you know, you try and you try and make everything sound. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad good to meet you. Yeah. You're looking good. You know? facade, yeah. The second one in the trilogy before midnight, uh, before uh, sunset, sunset, it was really heartbreaking because both of them try and give this impression that, that their all lives fine. are absolutely huh. fine, but yeah. they have had major setbacks and failures and 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 marriages in, in trouble. And th- those revelations happen. And then, of course, there's another big gap. And now they are married. And, of course, it's not all hunky-dory because all marriages go through trials and tribulations also. So uh, the Before Trilogy explores a lot of that. I mean, and, and they were fortunate that they had the same actors. Yeah. They played whatever age, that time that films are set. So as they grow older, they they are also... Older in the, in the film. Expressing... Yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, their older selves and their, whatever people who are older will go through. Uh, as compared to that, and in, in, in Harry Met Sally, of course, you know, uh, uh, you know that they, they age the actors when they're making them because uh, from the first time they meet till the, till the last uh, scene and 12 years later. Um, it's a much more compact story. Right. And, it, it, and it, 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 it's exploring something very different. Right. Um, how friendship between a, a couple or, or, or two people, couple couple can get ruined actually when they have sex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, uh, I think before the before trilogy because there are three films and uh, you know the longest span um, explores relationships in a lot more depth. Um, right. Uh, to extend that, I, mean, I actually wrote a, a column uh, about the before trilogy because I saw all three of them together one time in New York. Oh wow! Uh, back to back, same <laughs> nice. day. Yeah, you know, you get you know New York is amazing, and you know there are all these uh, art house independent theaters, and so they 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 um, and those, those films keep playing all the time. But I I seen them before, and I have seen them all three in theaters. Uh, but when I when you see them all together, um, you know emotionally you also collect. I remember from the time when I saw the first one how old I was, and then what my life yeah. has been, and what my life has gone through. Um, I, I think that, to me, uh, is, is the the essence of before trilogy. Really, that right. you you yourself feel like how your life has gone through and Progressed, yep, how you yep. want to present your life. And yeah, amazing. One amazing. question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One question I had about uh, when Harry met Sally was, I mean, Harry met Sally, and uh, uh, in fact, Nora Ephron at large. I mean, do you think? It kind of set a precedent for all the rom-coms that came after it. I mean, just like every rom-com that came after Harry Met Sally, like was a little following that precedent of what of what Harry Met Sally said. Do you, do you think that's correct? Well, it, it, it obviously opened doors, and in any case, it, is, it was such a successful film that you know then what happens is that uh, writers and producers and studios want to sort of repeat that kind of success. They were romantic comedies. Before Harry Met Sally right. was, I think, eighty-nine or something. They were romantic comedies before that, also. Right. Many right. of them, many of them, set in New York. Not eighty-nine. I forget what year. Uh, it was a little later. Anyway, but um, but yes, it it sets a precedent, and you start to say that, my God, um, you know how fresh the writing can be um, just by having two people talk about, yeah, have dialogues which are uh, very similar to what life is. You know, in fact, in some ways, if you see. Um, Dil Chata Hai. I remember when Dil Chata Hai was released, a lot of people kept saying, my God, they talk like how we talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things about, you know, both Parhan and even Zoya, the other, the, the three films Zoya directed also, they, 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 their characters tend to be closer to reality. We recognize them. And they, they also, even though the dialogue was always written by their father, Jarvis, yeah. uh, who's, who's um, much older than them, um, Yet, uh, so yeah, so uh, when Harry Met Sally also had these dialogues, which was so real and believable and fun, they were funny, but they were like, yeah, that's how we talk, you know. Um, right. And other films that followed had similar, and, and you know, Nora Ephron then continued because we can talk about um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle because much of Sleepless in Seattle is set in Seattle right. Uh, right. while they're, Right. You know, they, they 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 talk over the radio thing. They end up meeting in the end in New York City, right? Uh, on top of the Empire State, State Empire State Building, yeah, near the yeah, the, yeah. 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 So and I, I and actually, what's interesting, both in Sleepless in Seattle and then you got mail. Um, 
and apart from the fact that both films had Tom Hanks and, and Meg Ryan playing the lead characters, uh, in both the films, Nora Ephron doesn't, uh, these people connect uh, mm-hmm. outside. They don't meet face to face. You know, right. in, in, in Seattle, it's over, over a radio. Radio, talk. yeah. Yeah, and they meet, they talk often. Um, by the time you're in mid 90s when you're doing You Got Mail, I used to have yeah, an AOL account. And ah. I still have the AOL account and I used to, we used to do AOL chat because that was the, that was a cutting edge. <laughs> right. No Zoom at that point for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget Zoom. There was no so, uh, social media, nothing. No, so what I'm saying yeah. is that even in, in, in You Got Mail also, they connect through this chat line, and but they, they don't know what they look like. And, they, and, they, and, they, and their paths cross many times and they don't realize that it's the same people they, they've been chatting with. And Nora right. Ephron played that, used that twice in films. Right. You know what's interesting? Also, I, I read somewhere that you know it was it was really interesting. Like a small comment on uh, on you've got mail was that they essentially met through the internet, but their businesses were of course books, right? Like they had bookstores. Yes. And, and and it's kind of funny how the internet is basically kind of I mean the online bookstore on Amazon or like you know however you order then like this would probably not happen right now because people don't have bookstores as a profession. Like it's it's getting rarer. Unfortunately, it's getting rarer by the day. And you know it's 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 quite interesting how that happened. So two things. Uh, you. You Got Mail was actually inspired by an older film with Jimmy Stewart um, called uh, Shopper on the Corner, Little Shopper on the Corner, this called. But in the mid-90s, what happened is, uh, with, what happened was Barnes & Nobles, which was um, uh, a smaller ch- opened their first big store uh-huh. um, on the Upper West Side of New York City. It was the 83rd, 84th, 83rd. It's, it's a huge store they opened. I think that one is still there. And... The moment such a big store was opened and there was a cafe, there was a coffee shop and um, people would just you know drop by and they would spend time and they could sit have coffee and they could read books etc. Um, and because it was such a big store, therefore they, and because the sales were much higher, they mm-hmm. were able to give um, discounts. Smaller independent bookstores uh-huh. started to die. So on the Upper West Side, just a few blocks from where Barnes and Nobles had opened. Um, there was a the, the very well-known bookstore actually called Shakespeare and Company, which was which was there in the before in, sunset, yeah, yeah, in Paris, yeah. yes. So Shakespeare and Company was really shaken up because their business was shaken up because this big Barnes and Nobles had opened, and ah. finally Shakespeare and Company closed down. They still had two branches in New York, and now the, even the Upper West Side one has opened again. So things have the economy has now gone through many cycles, cycles uh, yeah. because the, because the, now the new Shakespeare and Company also has a cafe, and there are two others in New York City, and Barnes and Nobles went into this major spree through the 99, late 1990s through the 2000s, opening bigger and bigger bookstores. Uh, they had, at one point uh, quite like five, six of them across New York City and across America, many more. And then there was a chain that came from Canada, I think, called Border Bookstores. They mm-hmm. also opened everywhere. Right. And then what happened was, first of all, they all of these companies over-invested in bookstores. And then Amazon suddenly comes out of nowhere <laughs> and starts to sell even more discounted books than these bookstores could have. Uh, uh, and these bookstores started closing. So Barnes & Nobles now only has maybe one or two left in New York City. While they right, had, right. At, at, one, at the height of the uh, early 2000s, they had at least like five, six of them. Borders right. closed down also. Uh, you know, borders had to declare bankruptcy. So um, ultimately Amazon and Amazon has been thriving more and more and more because they've been able to do something which nobody else has been able to do because they don't, Amazon doesn't need to build. Um, yeah, the infrastructure. Actual, yeah, yeah, infrastructure. Stores, yeah, yeah. Huge saving there. So that is the story of You Got Mail. Yeah. Where, where, where Tom Hanks's character is has opened his new bookstore called I think it's called Fox and Sons or something I read up or something it's called anyway right, right. And, and and Meg Ryan is running a very tiny 
quaint corner neighborhood bookstore which everybody loves but people then start to go to the other the bigger store because a it's bigger it's like more exciting and uh books are discounted it's cheaper right she cannot discount her books that much understood so ah, yeah that's that's quite yeah that's quite interesting one great so i think i think we're done with uh, with the first three like it was almost like the the nora efren series of course we covered yeah. yeah. sleepless in seattle uh, you've got mail uh and, and you know and of course I, we, I i i got to tell you um yes. uh you know one of the things that these films do very well is to again especially uh, you got mail for instance um you know celebrate new york city and iconic places so there's a very famous um old uh pastry cafe shop it's i've never seen a bigger collection of uh, cakes and pastries it's called cafe lola okay uh, it's a french sort of a cafe that is also on the upper west side uh and uh, the first scene they, the first time they meet mm-hmm. is in cafe lola where they had that blind date kind of a thing and it, it was very exciting because you know um i was living in the city uh, and i had i i went there very early in early 1980s uh, as a mm-hmm. student i was very young then um so you know i had discovered all these places and suddenly these places are now appearing in these films that are right. cute and romantic and you know i also had some romantic moments or something in these in these coffee shops etc you know you, you, one could see one's life sort of playing through these films in some ways absolutely cities and cinemas brought to you by crunch cronola You know while working from home I end up consuming meals in between the meals which isn't always healthy but with crunch granola that's wholesome and filling you can snack anytime guilt free DM Shri that's S H R E to the number in the description to get your granola fix delivered anywhere across India crunch say hola to granola Central Park from friend actually there I don't think there's a real Central Park but the diner where they go in Seinfeld the auto shot is tom's diner which right. is again on the upper west side all of these places are the so the upper west side is like the way manhattan described as the east side west side right. you know lower east side lower, lower west side uh, the upper west side is where columbia university for instance is so tom's diner is like 99 to 100 street and broadway right. and so always the uh, there's always that outdoor iconic shot it just is restaurant basically and uh-huh. for the longest time tom's diner i think they probably still do they would sell you know Seinfeld t-shirts etc inside oh wow like merch <laughs> yeah the, the 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 inside of it was in a studio of course of but, course uh, yeah that that's quite interesting yeah. great great i think uh, we're done with uh, the nora efren films uh let's let's get on to the next one i see what do what do you have next what do we have next to discuss so i thought we could talk about two woody allen films um especially well uh, woody allen set 99% of his films have been set in new york city and of course he, he loves the city It's yeah, quite in the recent years he's gone to paris and he's gone to uh, you know other cities and and he's shot in europe etc also but um i mean woody allen's i think i mean and, and his his best film in my book really is annie hall um and yes. uh, it is just absolutely lovely and it it you know it it shows i mean woody allen would play woody allen this very neurotic sort of a guy who's just uh afraid of falling sick afraid of bugs afraid of there's a, you know there's a spider scene there's a yeah. there's a big lob, lobster scene in it lobster scene and yeah. You, yeah and then you have Diane Keaton who for the longest time because uh, a they were in a relationship and she, she would appear in all of his uh, films at that time was this um, 
sort of this very uh, you know it, it, she would make these fashion statements the way in fact the way she would yes. dress in these pants and these ties etc in fact a lot of women in the late 70s uh, early 80s started dressing up like Diane Keaton in in in, in absolutely uh, but she she also was not exactly like a you know she had a very lardy la in fact she uses the term lardy la she, she she had this very sort of lackadaisical kind of life is sort of goes on kind of a attitude right um, and they make a, a very interesting couple and even even there they they're ups and downs their different relationships she starts to sleep with somebody else eventually at the end of the film she uh, moves to LA right uh you know uh, Annie Hall has like amazing uh, the dialogues are so quirky but one of my absolute favorite dialogues is because i learned to drive in new york city i had never learned before yeah so the driving york, scene huh Yeah, there's a statement he makes about going to when she moves to LA. See, in New York City, um, in Manhattan, in New York City, when you're driving, um, if you have to make a, of course, if you have to make a left turn because you know it's a left hand driving, because left hand you have to wait for your turn because other because cars. Because you're on the yeah right yeah if there are arrows, but you can technically make a right hand turn anytime you want to. But in New York City, when the light is red, you cannot make a, a red turn. Right, so, right. Uh, so there is this absolutely hilarious moment when he says uh, to uh, Diane Keaton, "What's the cultural advantage of moving to Los Angeles, LA, that you can make a, a right turn on, on a red light?" <laughs> so right, uh, right, that's a joke that every everybody may not get. Uh, all New Yorkers will get it. Uh, I began to appreciate it much more when I because I saw the film. I saw Annie Hall back in the late nineteen seventies when I was in India. I was saw it in Delhi. Uh, and i don't think i got the joke at all at that point until <laughs> i started driving in new york ah wow okay amazing i mean so any hall for me like you know it's it's really the various i mean of course breaking the fourth wall is there like you know that's one of the biggest things yeah. that i kind of it just struck me like ye ye 70s mein bani thi picture uh, and you know of course the cinematography and all to hey wo to chalo it's very supple and very nice as well but just the techniques like you know this this hilarious thing about when he's on the street and he's asking people like you know when he asks those two people ki you know uh, you know what what do you what do you think is to be happy in a relationship <laughs> and you know they just answer ki i'm the one who's this. i mean it's just it's just the technique just blew my mind i think uh, like what do you guys think about any whole technique because even from the starting you know the, the monologue he's just facing i think that's just become so iconic right like you know the yellowish kind of a background and he's yeah. just telling his it, life it's a classic scene where he's in a in a line uh, in a movie theater yes it's, yes in new york we used to the pre pandemic and it'll happen again when the theaters open and all we would stand in lines to get into theaters you know and because the seats are not numbered and so you just take oh. the best seat available and everything yeah and so you stand okay. in line you buy the ticket and then they open the door then people are very peaceful and people talk and all so there there is this guy who's a pontificating and acting very sort of a pseudo intellectual and you talking about breaking in the fourth wall rudy allen suddenly looks at the camera and says that you know i, I, I forget what he says but basically he finds the guy very irritating and then the the guy turns and says i'm a columbia professor or something and <laughs> yeah. i i know what i'm talking about and he's talking about a particular writer or a Martin McLuhan, yeah 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 who's also standing who's in the also line standing also. right there yeah <laughs> just i mean just shifting the frame i think it really uses explodes uh, cinema to its fullest i mean to its widest potential really like that was that really stood out for me and of course you know the story and uh, you know the entire LA and New York LA and New York you know coming to LA and New York it was just another brain wave that i just had about LA and New York um being portrayed it was of course in marriage story again beautiful movie uh, noah bombeck uh, and i watched it in the lockdown itself and you know just the just the contrast like i find it very interesting how those two characters like of course great acting done all across the all across the board both by you know scarlet and adam as well but 
you know how their lives really differ like you know their priorities only change and it's it's such a it's such a big joke right even marriage story uh, like if you guys remember the entire thing there uh, you know uh, it's it's a running joke in the entire movie whenever then la like the streets are wider here or like you know the mm-hmm. houses are bigger here like that's just a thing and i mean i seem i'm sure that's true right like new york houses must be quite tiny and like not the biggest in size like no, we don't uh, manhattan for instance everybody lives in apartments and it's right. very very expensive i mean it's like it's is a bombay kind of a concept basically Absolutely. there are some very rich neighborhoods in manhattan like bombay delhi sort of a thing yeah, yeah. but you know and in bombay also like you know rich people who live in like the, forget the ambani's but many other people who live in south bombay they have the whole floor but so manhattan also some of the wealthy people have huge apartments but most people have very tiny cramped up apartments uh the concept of houses only happens when you leave manhattan parts of new york city queens uh brooklyn have houses but then when you go to the neighboring states um new jersey which is right across the river hudson right. river there there people have houses and the, the bigger but yes la has houses los angeles has a lot of land right. um and it's a big sprawled out sort of a thing and you know you don't know where la ends and some other suburb starts or something like that of course there are apartment buildings in la also now sure um but there's a big distinction you can get for the price that you're paying in new york city no matter where you go uh, you can get a much bigger space uh, whether a bigger size apartment or or uh, or a um, uh, house you know you mentioned a marriage story Have you guys seen Nora uh, Nora Bombach's uh, The Squid in the Squid Whale? In the whale? I want yes, to know. It's course, on my list. Yeah. I mean, so that's a New York City based. It's set in Brooklyn, and uh, yeah, I was about to say that also... because that that film. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that I was about to say, you know, no. uh, Nora Bombach. He's he he's also a very quintessential New York director, right? I mean, uh, even with Francis yeah. Ha and Squid in the Whale, and Squid in the Whale. I mean, it's set. in new york in the 70s which is arguably you know when culture was at its peak in new york you know i mean there was there was lou reed and velvet underground and andy warhol and so it is it is also said in that new york right uh, like at that new york in that point of time so i was about to mention yeah. you know noha bombak is also another yeah and it it it, it deals with a, a very different kind of romance it's about a marriage falling apart uh and the couple separate divorcing and how it impacts the children right. uh, especially uh, while uh, you know so there's sort of bookends uh, to bookends as for well. i mean noah bambak has done more, uh, i think he's done something else after that also or maybe he's working on something on the, after marriage story and marriage story is about a marriage breaking but how it actually impacts the couple itself yep uh, yep yep um especially the man because he's uh, uh, she's the one who decides to leave him uh, yep. and he never and he never realizes that he was making her compromise her life and her career so much uh, so while there are two very different stories about marriage breaking but it's very interesting that he and and you know it's part of the, 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 the inspired by his own parents uh, right. break up yeah so right so That's yeah true. but both films had a, 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 a squid and whale is entirely in new york and brooklyn um and so you have new york city the backdrop um but a romance falling apart Right, amazing, amazing. Definitely have to check out uh, *Squid in the Whale*. But uh, coming to uh, assume your second uh, film, uh, Woody Allen film, which is of course uh, a very, very popular area in in uh, in New York. It's it's arguably the most recognizable one as well. Uh, *Manhattan*, which is of course black and white, uh, and the entire. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I mean, would you call it? I mean, it's. Would you call, of course, by nature, it's not a noir film. But do you think the lighting and all is purposely to get that to evoke that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they, you know, you, you start to wonder why at that stage he had suddenly made a black and white film. It was to, to create some sort of, a, you know, the noir thick uh, mood. But but noir mood usually also has sort of dark and, you know, twisted characters. And Character, yeah. So that doesn't exist in the film. And, you, and he, he starts off by his saluting, I, I forget the dialogue, but I think the opening monologue basically t- talks about right, how he right. loves New York and Gershwin yeah. and all the tunes and, 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 and the streets and the walk, etc. Um how New York really means so much to him. Um, there is another theme that appears in that it's, I think Manhattan is probably the first one that continues through Woody Allen's films and in Woody Allen's personal life. Also his obsession with younger women. <laughs> right. No, but it's, it's true because right. in Manhattan right. also, right. um, Mary, Mary is, you know, she's just out of, is it Mary or Margot? One of the, we, we got a Google man. I, I'm feeling terrible about this. Uh, the, the, one of the Hemingway sisters, um, and she's just out of high school, and he has an affair with a girl in high school. And then it happens in a couple of films, and husband and wives. And then, of course, in real life, also, he ended up marrying uh, what is Mia Farrow's adopted daughter. Uh, yeah, adopted daughter, which is practically, for all practical purposes, his own daughter. Also, he never adopted her, uh, but and she was, you know, half his age. So. Uh, <laughs> that's Manhattan for you, but Manhattan has a lot of other charming things. Um, uh, it's one of the first films you see. Uh, in fact, uh, it's not one of the first. It, it is one of the early, early Meryl Streep films. Right. Uh, she plays she Woody looks, Allen's yeah. uh, uh, ex-wife, who's right. Who book. Yeah, she writes his book, and she now she's become a lesbian, and, and basically, yeah. where she talks about you know their sex life, and he's like totally. Uh, he's very nervous about that book coming out, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so Probably that's true. another level of nervousness that is portrayed in that because he's, he basically always plays a very nervous, fidgety character. Yeah, um, yeah. Case, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. But yeah, Manhattan is lovely. Uh, Manhattan is terribly sad. Uh, partly the sadness also comes from the young girl, although, I mean, I won't give away, but the, at the end, at least you realize that she's finding her, her, her path because you know, uh, she's so young and he really hurts her. Right. Uh, in in Annie Hall, you know, they're adults and, you know, th- th- their pain is not so painful to us because, you know, they've gone through, they, they, they cheat on each other and they've had previous relationships and they'll have relationships later. And, they, you know, I think in Woody Allen's case, he's even been married um, in Annie Hall before. Um, so, yeah, but Manhattan has a has this very, uh, there's a tinge of sadness. In sadness Manhattan. to the entire, yeah, yeah. yeah. The color is not there quite literally in the film. But yeah. but yes, uh, Asim, what's next on your list? I think Woody Allen, of course, great filmography. Um, other than that as well, loads of films, uh, loads of films based out of New York, based on New York itself. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I wanted to talk about, so, so there, there is a lot of, that we can, there, there are many other comedies we can talk about. And then right. I, I, we can touch about some comic t- uh, TV shows. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the dark films that are set in New York City. Of course, um, yeah. And so two of Martin's courses, especially Taxi Driver, because Taxi Driver is set in Manhattan. Um, Goodfellas is set, uh, and you know, Mean Streets, which is an early version, it's a very raw, it has a very raw indie film. It's also, that's all in the lower uh, side of Manhattan. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, and then there's Goodfellas, which is largely set in Queens and Long Island, which is, you know, Queens is a part of New York City, one of the five boroughs. Long Island is a, is a separate entity, uh, uh, yeah. but it, it borders... Uh, Queens. Um, 
But taxi driver, uh, he's a taxi driver in New York City. And, and the way and taxi driver was made in, I think, 76 or 77 or something, late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the, you know, he keeps talking about the filth on the streets. And that was the reality of New York City. So I went to New York in 1981 as a student. Right. And the Times Square that they showed in Taxi Driver, which was made like, what, four or five years before I went there, right. was exactly the way I, when I landed in New York City. I mean, there were rows and rows of Times Square were porn theaters. Right. And they were hustlers and they were prostitutes, male and female prostitutes and child prostitutes. You could see them. They were drug pushers. You, you know, it was, I was very young at that time, but, you know, going through some of the parks in New York City, um, it, was, it was kind of scary where you have these um, people selling, you know, they would, they would sell you a, a, what they would call a nickel or a bag of, of marijuana. A nickel was $5 and a bag was, uh, you know, there was a dime, nickel and dime. Dime was for like $10, a little packet of marijuana would be sold like in 81 or something. Right. Um, they show so much of that in, in Taxi Driver. I mean, you know, when he's driving and, you know, and the smoke rising. So, in fact, one of the things that yeah. happens, it, it's, I have never been able to understand, but it has to do with the way the underground systems and the and the buildings have the heating, the heating system, system, etc. Right. Yeah, there's actually a video on this uh, by Cheddar. Yeah, which recently came out as to why New York City has this steam and why New York City also has this smell of, I don't know, I mean, I've never, I, I mean, I wish to go to New York again someday, but, you know, that smell of New York, I really want to know what that smell is. Some people say it's it's rat poison, some people say it's uh, a slice of pizza. What, I mean, it's just, a, of course, an amalgamation of people's hopes and dreams yeah. also, some people say, yeah. but I, I really want to know what that smell is. And like, you know, I think Taxi Driver, uh, in my opinion, of course, it was a precursor to jo- Joker for sure, like. Todd Phillips did. I mean, he yeah, he said yeah. that it did take so much of right. influence from right. uh, this thing, I and it was just this man's. Yeah, Joker uh, was a set in a, in a particular time. I've seen Joker twice, but I'm trying to remember. Does he say any year in it? I mean, again, it was. I think you know, as you had mentioned, when the you know doesn't mention a year, but again, the 80s, because of course the the subway system. I think that's the biggest visual cue right. for me. Right, it's you right. know all vandalized. I mean, it's that's bad. Yes. Like you know, and and yes. that was the entire period. Where yes, I think there was yeah. a lot of the city was going through a lot of stress, right? Like it was just yeah, bearing the yeah. world, you know, ki, aha, we are the world's top city, top city. It just it kind of had like a, almost like a breakdown. Yeah, it, it had, it had the, the economic system was collapsing. Actually, you mentioned the subway system because there are, there are, uh, there's the original and the remake uh, taking off LM123. Yes, uh, yes. Original was with Robert Shaw and I forget who else was in it. Of course, the next the one, the, the later one had Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington, yeah. Uh, and, you know, my God, and the. Basically, the film is set in in the subway system itself, especially the original one. That the the filth and the and and the graffiti and everything else. It it just is. It, it's so real um, in that film. So, Taxi Driver really represented. You know, when you talk about smell, I don't know what smell you're talking about. Right. But, you know, every 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 city smells. You land at the Delhi airport. Um, you know, <laughs> and there's a particular smell. Which I immediately I'm like okay I'm I'm in India now the, the airport <laughs> at the time I got, get out of the airport then it's like pollution everything else you're fine but there's a particular smell at the airport itself and you know while it's a very fine airport um, you know Bombay has much nicer the airport but so New York City I don't know what the what the smell you're talking about but yes the, you know the, it's 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 the streets um, and, yeah. and, and and the food and the and the smoke rising um, right it is there yeah Absolutely. so yeah I think taxi taxi driver is 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 a, is a I mean, it's it's an iconic film, and people know dialogues of Taxi Driver by heart, etc. But it shows the film in a very dark way, and you know, you have the Sybil Shepherd character, who's sort of like this angel of light kind of a thing, who's dressed in wine. He wants to protect her, basically. Right. Uh, 
But then, of course, you know, uh, he doesn't, uh, the Travis Bickle character doesn't have a sense in terms of how, you know, where do you take a woman on a date or something like that and end up taking it to a porn theater, which is what New York City was all, it was packed in, in Times Square. Those porn theaters are all gone now, by the way, because when yeah. we had, in the late 1990s, uh, mid-1990s, we had Rudy Giuliani, who was a mayor. and uh, Mayor, yes. Invested a lot in police, drugs, etc. were cleared off, muggings were gone, incidents were gone. There's still crime in New York. I'm not saying there's no crime, but um, it's a much more tourist-friendly, clean city now. Right. Um, uh, on that note, uh, Asim, what's next on your list uh, in terms of uh, films or series? Or do you want to kind of go... I think- I think when you talk about New York, uh, in the recent years, in the last 20 plus years, uh, the the show that really represented New York, I mean, there's Friends, of course, which is like a a sitcom, but uh, another kind of a comedy show, uh, and and quite unreal, actually, is Sex and the City. Right. Uh, These four uh, independent women in different stages of their life, one gets married, one uh, is... You know, relationships keep breaking. Uh, most of them have relationship issues, and you know, and one is, you know, chooses who she wants to sleep with. Um, it was unreal in the sense that you know, uh, you start to wonder if this woman Carrie uh, Bradshaw, she's writing, you know, a column every week. Right. How could she afford such a big apartment? Yeah, that was then, of course one of the bigger gripes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then in, in Friends also, there's the big question: How do these people, these these people, don't even have jobs or they, they, do, <laughs> they just sit there like that? Yeah. How do they have such big apartment? That way, uh, um, that way, uh, Seinfeld is very real. It keeps the apartment issues. Although much of Seinfeld is based, it's set in, in, in uh, Jerry's apartment. Right. There are so many episodes, you know, Elaine wants to move into J- Jerry's building because she's the cheap apartment. The, the whole thing about apartments being expensive and how they want to have cheaper apartments kind of a thing. <laughs> it's right. coming up again and again in Seinfeld. But Sex and City um, showed a very, a fairy tale kind of an adult, you know, hmm. uh, life in New York City. Um, and yes, there is a lot of sex being discussed. It's a lot of it's a relationship, a lot of heartbreak. I mean, I, I find there's a lot of heartbreak in Sex and City, which and it's very funny, very very funny. But you know, there are there are. Have you guys seen the series at all? No, I haven't seen it. No, yeah. I've seen, I've I've seen, seen the, the I've seen one of the movies. Yeah, yeah, same, so same. The movies, I, I I felt didn't. I saw the first one, the second one got such bad reviews that I didn't even attempt to. I didn't spend money to go to see it. The movies did not go, um, you know, they just wanted to sort of uh, replicate that, that, but that, that moment had gone, mm. you know, not talking about like, oh, when there'll be a friend's reunion, when there'll be a reunion of Seinfeld or something, you you cannot recreate the, no. that moment. The actors have grown older, they've moved on, and it's very hard for them to then uh, sort of become what they were um, Sex and City, you can watch. It's on. Um, it's on the, the Disney Hotstar. I mean, right. it has a many, many HBO shows. Um, of course, yeah. Should, should be watched, really. Um, Amazing. So I, 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 that, that, that's a fun show. Uh, you know, there are so many other films set in New York. Um, uh, one of my favorite. I'm, I'm a big fan of Sidney Lumet, the director. And yes. One of my uh, all-time favorite Sidney Lumet films is Dog Day Afternoon, and mm-hmm. it's. Based on a true story, and you know they go, uh, they go the rob a bank in Brooklyn. Yep, yep. And I'm sure the interiors were set in a studio or something like that. They have outdoor shots of of, of streets of Brooklyn. Uh, 
there's a certain there's an energy that the new york city has the streets have and many of these films give that sense of the energy right of, of the way people talk the way people walk the way people are in a rush every time or they stop to look at something etc i mean every city has that i mean you know bombay has that delhi has that every city that has walking culture especially yeah yeah LA doesn't have much much of a walking culture at all cuz LA everybody drives cars on the highways yeah. and yeah. so it's a very different world and so it's a very different kind of a culture really but new york um gives you that uh feeling uh through the way the people are represented and you see them every day you know you take the subways you walk in the streets you get on the subway you you know from point a to point b people have to walk um dog day afternoon had you know this large crowd of people start to gather outside uh, so you know there are, there are there are films like that inside man for instance had new york scenes uh, spike lee's many of his films have been set in new york um yep. you know do the right thing of course the right most, thing, most yeah. famous again yeah. brooklyn um uh new york has been represented for decades and sent you know decades and decades in, in different ways by different directors really um but yeah sometime when the romance happens romantic scenes happen and and, and especially the romantic films and, and and they're lighter you know although and we were talking about you got mail and I, i i you know i was telling you that it's inspired by a true story so much of you got mail is hard to believe and <laughs> and, and a lot of people i mean and i found you got mail very entertaining but a lot of critics who saw you got mail they they were so critical i mean you got mail makes new york city the the the, the sidewalks and 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 streets so clean <laughs> you, know, you have you have dog poop on the streets you know there's a 100 dollar fine if you if you're caught with your if you don't lift your dog poop but there's right. dog poop and there's there's all sort of filth and there you know and it's there's sadness in terms of homeless people sleeping in the streets and um New York is not a clean city at all but you know Hollywood has a way of making it look very clean and very romanticized right. yeah right i'm sorry i mentioned homeless people it's it's not i'm not referring to them as something ugly it's 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 the sadness of no definitely people. yeah there are people who sleep on the streets and you know and and they look like you look at them some of them have come from very well to do families and there's mental illness issues and there's a lot of grittiness in new york city which a film like taxi driver brings out just absolutely brilliantly really and okay. and midnight cowboy also yeah right 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 you know so i just want to briefly kind of touch upon the gangster culture that uh, that you know of course that's an entire episode i mean that can be literally an entire book but just to kind of briefly uh, you know like you know whatever your thoughts are about let's say the entire the, the mafioso or the the mafia or the gangster culture and the entire uh, you know of course we've seen loads of films but uh, where do you think uh, i mean of course you for example love goodfellas but but where do you think is like a starter kit of of films from from this uh, from this kind of this genre uh, really <coughs> the entire before people before people actually see uh, goodfellas uh, uh, martin scorsese is one of his least seen films is a film called mean streets mean streets uh, yeah it, it should be uh, i'm sure many people you know there are uh, most people who sort of enjoy films and uh, uh, you know scorsese's films are as they watch a lot of uh, Tarantino's films also so mean streets have been seen but you know young robert de niro young harvey keitel it, it's qu- quite a revelation to see them and it was done in such a raw indie handheld camera style kind of a thing um it didn't have the finesse that taxi driver for instance had yeah uh, so that um 
hey, I, I love Godfather. Now, the thing about Godfather also is, um, so part of Godfather is set in, in Queens. The house is set in Queens. Although, right. Uh, it was, I think the shot is Staten Island, which is uh, one of the boroughs. Of one of the boroughs, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you have uh, Christmas scenes around Rockefeller Center. Uh, you, you, you see a lot, Fifth Avenue. Um, but much of, a lot of the action that happens in uh, Godfather happens I- the indoors uh, yeah. in these bars and, 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 and or, on, you know, eating. But there, much of it is um, in, in Queens. Um, right. Uh, by the time he made Godfather Part 2, uh, they had moved to uh, Vegas, and you know there was there was there was a lot more happening there in Nevada. Actually, the you know when the house by the lake, yep, and Godfather yep. three. By the time they made Godfather three, they had moved to Italy. Uh, so when you ask whether starting, you know these are all starting kids. I mean, you can see all of these films really. I mean, they uh, they're just very very well made uh, dramas uh, right. where. And what's really remarkable about these films is that as much as they are such horrible human beings, they cheat <laughs> and they wipe, they kill people, they're, yeah. uh, they're violent across board, um, there is something so warm. You know, the father-son relationship between the Marlon Brando, Don Corleone character uh. and Michael's son, it is just so beautiful because, you know, it's almost like Michael is this. And, and then there's the middle son, Fredo, who's, who's, who's not exactly... Not child, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right, you know, right. he's, he's not mentally in a in a strong place, etc. Um, and the, um, the sort of the loud mouth, sort of I can everything is possible kind of a sunny character who gets killed in the first film itself. I'm not giving away any uh, you know spoilers really. Um, I'm sure most people have seen Godfather. Yes, so I'm not yeah. telling people. <laughs> no, no, Godfather, of course. That that's. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, uh, yeah, and then Scorsese did did a wonderful. I mean, you know, Goodfellas is a fantastic film because Goodfellas is is is, is a nice reflection of what um, these middle class homes lives are all about. You know, right. and then they come home and the, the kitchens and the mothers making spaghetti. And, you know, Scorsese's yeah. mother plays. You know, a lot of that. Um, it's it's quite uh, it's it's quite, it, it, it's very realistic. Of course, there is a violence and and there's. Um, there's even some humor that comes out of the violence, for instance. Um, right. Some of it actually, Scorsese um, uh, uh, tried to replicate again in an Irishman, again. Right. Yes. In terms of the home, in terms of the homes, and in, in terms of an Irishman, of course, is also not all in New York. It's also uh, outside New York, also. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, g- gangster films are. Uh, you know, then there are older ones. I mean, Scorsese made called Gangs of New York, which was also set in New York, but in. in you know, a couple of centuries ago. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it's a very different world. There is very a beautiful film that Scorsese made set in New York, although most of it is shot in Boston, called Age of Innocence. Okay. Right. Um, right. With uh, Daniel DeLewis and uh, yeah. and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Winona Ryder. And, uh, and Winona Ryder. Uh, it's, it's such a beautiful, perfect film. And it, again, it's, it's New York at the turn of the century. And, you know, the, 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 uh, I'll tell you an anecdote. So there's an actor called Richard E. Grant. I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you might have heard of him. I mean, right. A few years ago, he got an Oscar nomination. So I ran into Richard E. Grant at an ATM um, in Manhattan. I even remember where it was, the 57th in Madison. I was going to pull out some money. He was standing in front of me. And 
I recognized him immediately because I had seen him in a film called The Player. Have you guys seen a film called The Player? If you want to see a film about Hollywood film industry, you got to see The Player. Okay. It's set in LA. It's Robert <laughs> Altman's like ultimate classic sort of this uh, uh, dark story about uh, Hollywood, the way it functions. Anyway, so I had just seen him in The Player, and I saw him standing at the uh, at the ATM line, and I said, you know, I couldn't remember his name, and I said, you know, I, was, I saw you in some film, some film. And, and so he's introduced himself, and then I said, I asked him, "What are you doing?" Uh-huh. And he says, "I'm here to shoot a film for Martin Scorsese. It's called um, uh, Age of Innocence." And I'd heard the film was being shot. He right. said, "We shot a couple of some scenes in New York, but now we are moving to Boston because right. the 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 homes that Martin Scorsese wants to show in Age of Innocence, which is a turn of century, like late nineteen uh, late uh, yeah nineteenth century homes right. uh, in New York City, those buildings don't exist in New York anymore. Uh-huh. Boston has Boston. those kind of." Kind of as an architecture. So he said, <laughs> we're going to Boston next day or something like that. So it's a story that stayed with me. Wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Right? That's, you should see Age of Innocence. Age of Innocence uh, and yeah. the player. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I think we've got uh, quite a bunch of uh, recommendations to definitely catch up on. Uh, let's, yeah. Let's let's finally jump on to the last uh, last bit of, of, of today's episode, which is, of course, a classic. I mean, um, well, a lot can be said about this show. It's uh, people want to uh, love it. Some people don't love it. Some people try to appreciate it, understand it. Other people just don't get the humor that is from New York. It's such a, it's not just got culture of New York. It's got also got the subcultures of New York. It's none other than Seinfeld. Uh, and of course, you know, we all know the concept of Seinfeld. Uh, I mean, the concept, of course, being the comedy kind of, you know, intertwined. And I, I'm really like, you know, fascinated. I myself, I'm a really, really big fan of stand up comedy as an art form. Like, you know, I've been uh, I mean, I've of course, tried my hand at it and, uh, you know, admittedly failed at it uh, quite clearly, judging by my sense of humor, even on the show. So like, you know, this is uh, that's something that I've kind of, you know, uh, it, it's it's. Uh, Something that uh, Seinfeld really, though, I mean, I can imagine, like, you know, of course, there have been so many, uh, you know, series, uh, for example, in Easy, which is there, and it speaks about the entire, you know, the cultures and how they meet across uh, in New York City. But Seinfeld really does capture that, uh, you know, that stand-up life and the life, of course, just the mundane living uh, in, in, in NYC and just, you know, the diners and, you know, meeting random people and the hookups and the dating and all of that. So, uh, Asim, what are your thoughts on on Seinfeld and and uh, why does it still stick is also another question. Why do people still gravitate towards it? You know, as far as when you, when you look at culture and cinema and popular culture, for instance, let's right. talk about popular culture. Nothing has impacted me as much as Seinfeld. Okay. It really, and it was not me only, everybody around me. So I remember vividly the pilot was broadcast. You know, it used to come, I forget, every Thursday night was supposed to be a big night on NBC. They would have like back-to-back four shows, half an hour, uh, 8, 8, 30, 9, 9, 30, right. and then 4. And then at 9 o'clock, they would have some big, uh, you know, there was an ER show with George Clooney. And there were big, uh, you know, one-hour drama shows. And I remember um, my ex-wife and I, just happened to put on television and we watched the first episode of Seinfeld. I don't know why we just, and now when I look at it and I've seen the first episode again, the pilot, you realize it's very raw. You realize that they were still not very, very uncertain, unsure what we're doing, but there was something <laughs> about it that we, we connected with it even then. And, you know, you have four people or the Jerry's character, 
is financially successful. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's some scene where uh, Kramer is absolutely shocked about how much money Jerry has or something like that. Right. So Jerry, Jerry gets to travel and Jerry gets to do these stand-up routines kind of a thing. He's financially successful. Um, but he's a failure in every other way. I mean, you know, the, the, in relationships, for instance, I mean, every episode basically has Jerry going to one more relationship and, and the <laughs> women he's with or something like that. Um, you have George, who's like, like the ultimate loser, um, <laughs> who, um, uh, you, uh, you know, uh, does en- end up in a relationship and gets engaged to marry Susan. And of course, then we know what happens to Susan. She, George is such a bloody miser. You know what happens? Remember what happens to Susan, right? When they were, they were, when they were getting their wedding cards made, right. uh, George, George cut corners and went and bought some cheaper cards, a cheaper <laughs> envelope. Because, 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 so if Susan wanted to spend more money, George wanted to save money, and George right. never wanted to get married himself. So, the cheaper envelopes or old envelopes or something like that, and Susan is licking the envelopes. Right. The glue has some sort of like this poison kind of a thing. And, and then she, yeah, she did. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, 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 Seinfeld was the first time I saw a show where there was just no, you know, the whole idea of being PC, being politically correct, that didn't exist at all. They would make fun of Jews. They would make fun of just about every culture. They make fun of Indians. There's an episode when they come to India for a wedding. Right, right. And and, and the episode goes backwards and George has been told that, you know, the bathrooms in India smell. So he does not use the bathroom through, through, the through his entire state. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, they make fun of everybody. Uh, you know, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a recurring... Uh, Pakistani character called Babu Bhatt, <laughs> you know, who tries to start a Pakistani restaurant. And, and, and that's actually it was very telling where, uh, you know, he doesn't know what to do. And, and Jerry advises him that you should call it a Pakistani restaurant. And nobody comes because people don't know what Pakistani food is. You know, call it call food, it yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's just everybody appear there. You know, you had well-known sports character. There was one episode where... Um, Kramer is convinced that he meets uh, Salman Rushdie in, in, a, in his gym and he calls, keeps calling him Salman, Salman Rushdie, Salman Rushdie. Um, and Elaine, who, as far as I, I know, you know, um, she is the funniest of all, of oh, all four of them. You, you realize eventually when, when she did weep after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her, her, I mean, she's, yeah, she's, she's just absolutely hilarious. And she's got this... You know, just just this madness when you know when when she hears something that is outrageous, you know, people say like, "Really, I don't believe it." She'll push Jerry. Says, "Get out of here!" She <laughs> always does that. You know, I have seen episode after episode again and again because what happened was after Steinfeld was, uh, you know, finally it was closed and it was cancelled, closed right. basically. Um, you had reruns happening, right. so there was a time for throughout the early two thousands or something like that. You know. Um, I forget around seven after the news seven thirty or something they would have half an hour and then eleven eleven thirty they would have one episode and I would just stay up to watch them again and you, you know you watched them before you know exactly when the well, funny scenes are going to come and you're going to still laugh right. because you know exactly where the scenes are coming I mean I one of my I, I, I mean I say one of my the, every episode has something really one of my absolutely favorite scenes is you know there was a film Meryl Streep made called A Cry in the Dark okay. It's set in Australia, and uh-huh. it was a true story about this couple who had gone camping, and their baby is missing, and then you know, and the woman is charged with the murder of the baby, and she makes the case. Uh, she tries to argue uh, in the court, and it was a true story in Australia, where she said that there was a, a, there's a wolf-like animal in Australia, right. and it's called a dingo. 
Uh-huh. And she keeps saying that Dingo ate my baby. Okay. So, out of nowhere, there's an episode where uh, Elaine and, and Jerry have come to some party in Long Island and they're bored as hell. And and uh, George has brought them to this party and George suddenly finds some girl he's going to sleep with. So, George decides he's not going to go back. And so, Elaine and uh, Jerry are stuck. And Elaine is sitting next to some woman and she keeps saying this very weird accent. She says, where's my fiancé? Has anyone seen my fiancé? Maybe my fiancé has gone upstairs. She just goes on and on and on. And Elaine suddenly says, maybe the dingo ate your fiancé. Now, if you've not <laughs> seen that film, you don't know what she's you know. saying. She also puts on this hilarious Australian accent. And Elaine, because she's so thrilled with what she's said, I mean, what's what's even better than just watching her saying maybe the dingo ate your baby is to see her immediately after that. She's so thrilled with herself that she's cracked this ultimate joke and insulted. And this woman says, what? And she doesn't get it. And she just gets up and goes away. There's <laughs> so many such moments in, in science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My God. And there's some, you know, you realize that they're, they're, they're very mean to people. They're, they're, not, <laughs> they're, not, they're not good people. Um uh, uh, yeah, and then there are the parents, there's Jerry's parents, and of course there was there was uh, this one's parents, uh, George's parents, and Elaine's very fussy father, and and Kramer's mother Kramer. appears out of nowhere, and you suddenly realize that Kramer had a first name called Cosmos. Yeah, um, Cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> we can do a full episode on on, on, on science film, right there, and I can I can just go on and that's, on. That's due. That's due. But I think uh, it does. I mean, it just. I mean, this connecting the new york aspect to it i think it's it's just it just embodies i mean they have the entire it's like a canvas right like they just with the episodes i think uh, larry david of course who is the creator along with uh, seinfeld they just paint it the way they want to right because with these references and with the pop culture and again the jokes the layered jokes and all of that uh, they literally create skyscrapers out of comedy i feel like you know it's there's, it's, there's, 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 there's something very interesting about how Jerry's apartment building which they show was somewhere on Amsterdam Avenue which is in the Upper West Side uh-huh. the diner where they go to as I told you which is Tom's Diner is it's on uh, 100th or 99th Street in Broadway so technically that world is set around there and Kramer also lives uh, you know in the same building as across yeah. the hall from Jerry itself and there's this one moment so there's one moment and 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 and, and uh, uh, George's parents live in Queens right uh, there's one, there's one episode where I think Kramer has to go downtown or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he lands up on First Avenue and First Street, which is all the way downtown. Right. And he's completely lost as if somebody sent him to Siberia or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's just, it's a completely different world. Um, so it, it, it's a very funny sort of way. It's a play on, on, on people in New York who sort of just, just live in their own neighborhood and just sort of... Uh, you know, look down upon people who live in different other neighborhoods, whether you're in the, uh, the east side, west side, downtown. Yeah, uh, yeah. Happens so a lot of as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, but a lot of the the, the, the humor which which is there, um, I'm not saying that you won't get it, but you get it much more if you if you lived in New York and you... you exactly. You, you understand mm. that. But, uh, yeah, Bombay, my God. I mean, people in South Bombay will never come to Andheri or something like that. Like, right. oh, that's a, a burp. <laughs> Burbies, there's yeah. a lot of arrogance there um, so yeah amazing right i think uh that's that's the episode uh thank you so much asim i i hope you had a good time discussing and thinking about the good old days uh in new york and we have uh we i mean we as you know students got to learn so much about uh not just films but also like living in new york and also i mean what your perspective is uh about films and culture in general uh, so thank you so much for uh, joining us, Asim. Any any final words for 
our discerning listeners who've made it till here or any anything else you'd like to <laughs> um no thank you um thank you there's there are a lot more films uh, set in new york but maybe the, the people who want to start off these are some of the films that they can start off with um, I'm, i'm sure people a lot of people have seen harry met sally or goodfellas the tax driver every everyone see but there's a, there's a lot of stuff that people need to discover still about new york and uh, and and to see the films um for once and try and see the city there yeah you know taxi watch taxi driver and you know people will everybody knows the, the dialogue that uh, that uh, robert de niro you know travis bickle has but look at how martin scorsese is showing the city in the background that is right. a very different way of looking at, absolutely uh, at the film and you discover the city really through that absolutely yes that was the aim and you know on, honestly like when we were discussing you know how would we cover this mammoth of a city like how how does one do that and i think we're more than happy that you know we had you on board and you know kind of guiding us through yeah. the entire because of course because you've of course not just staying in new york but because you have such a deep association with uh, you know cinema and new york you you know uh, you've just managed to do that so effortlessly and uh, just in all of that and hopefully yes uh, you know uh, going to be there in new york someday or bombay or delhi or wherever uh, we'll meet and, up Yes, yeah. definitely. That's there. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Asim. Uh, we, Thank you. Uh, we more Thank than you. we were so happy to have you. Yeah, Thank you, Asim. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Happy Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> happy Happy Valentine's so Day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All right, guys. That was the episode on NYC. Please share it with your friends and give me a follow on Spotify if you haven't. You'll get notifications for the show. We just have three episodes, aka three cities remaining. for the entire series so let me know which cities you think these are or which cities you want to hear next we'll see you next week